Thanks for joining us for the special Mid-East Prophecy Edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. shares the Mideast Prophecy Update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. In the midst of a world that feels like it's falling apart, Pastor J.D. encourages us in today's update, reminding us to pray unceasingly and to boast in our weakness as Christ's strength will be made full in us. Take time this week to thank God for His continual understanding, His long-suffering and His never-ending grace. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update on YouTube. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on August 29th, 2021. For today's update, I, I need to do something a little bit different. And I just want to talk with you about how it is that we can strengthen ourselves in the Lord in the face of these perilous last days in which we find ourselves. You know, I hear from many who take the time to share what's happening in their lives, and these are just heartbreaking stories. And when I say heartbreaking, I mean they are just heartbreaking what people are going through right now. And people are just really battle weary. And one of the things that we are asked to pray for often is just for strength to go on. People are just asking us, please pray for me, pray for my family, for strength to go on. If you'll kindly allow me to, I want to begin by sharing with you a message of hope and encouragement from the Word of God. This is for any who find themselves in this place of weariness and even discouragement. So this last week, I, in my time with the Lord, I love it when He does this, because He once again as he's always faithful to, reminded me of and directed me to one of my favorite passages in all of the Bible. I know I say that about every passage in the Bible, but uh, this one in particular, it's in First Samuel chapter 30. And um, actually I would encourage you to turn there and join with me there. We're going to look at a couple of verses in this chapter. Let me just kind of give you the backstory of what's happening here. First of all, David is not in a good place. He's in the land of the Philistines, and he's um, sort of running from, and (laughs) just not in a very good place. And he has his men with him, 600 men, and these are mighty men. These are fighting men. These are men. These are battle warriors, 600 of them. 
And they've been in battle and traveling for three days, approximately 75 miles. And they finally come back to this place called Ziklag, where their camp was, where their place was, only to find that their wives and their children were taken captive by the Amalekites. And when they arrived there at Ziklag, they also find that everything had been burned to the ground. As you might imagine, David and his 600 men are devastated. And as we're going to see here in a moment, they just break down these mighty warriors just break down and cry and weep bitterly, so bitterly that they just can't even weep anymore. They have no more strength in them to even cry. Let me read verses 3 and 4 of 1 Samuel 30. So David and his men came to the city and there it was, burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. Have you ever been so devastated, so exhausted from weeping so bitterly that you could not even weep anymore. It's almost like you can't even groan. You are just so devastated. And that's where these men were at this point. So intense is their weeping and despair that David's men actually turn on him, pointing the finger of blame at him, then even speak of killing him. That's what verse 6 tells us. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But, and here it is, David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. I wanted to start this way, because many today are at their own zigzag, as it were, and are greatly distressed, rightfully so, as was David. As such, like with David, the best thing, and might I add, the only thing that we can do is to strengthen ourselves in the Lord our God. The question becomes how? How do we strengthen ourselves in the Lord? Answer, turn to the Lord and inquire of the Lord. 
This is what David does, verse 8. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he, speaking of God, answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. See, David, in inquiring of the Lord, to strengthen himself in the Lord, has Abiathar bring to him the the ephod, which was really the word of God, the will of God, to discern what it is that God would have you to do. And this is how it is that we strengthen ourselves in the Lord. I know this might seem like a firm grasp of the obvious. I wish it were. When I say this, you're going to know this. You know this. I know this. We know this. But how we strengthen ourselves in the Lord is we pray and inquire of the Lord. And when we pray and inquire of the Lord, we're going to receive the word of assurance from the Lord, His word. David now is strengthened in the Lord. Why? Because he has the word, the assurance of the Lord. Why? Because he prayed to the Lord. Is that simple? We know this, right? I mean, it's really simple. In fact, I'm going to take it a step further and suggest that oftentimes God will bring us to a ziklag for this reason. He hasn't heard from us in a while. Oh, we've been busy. (laughs) You know, just really kind of too busy to pray, huh? I would argue that you're too busy not to pray. I know in my own life, God has brought me to Ziklag many a time, to bring me to the end of myself, so that I would strengthen myself in the Lord by inquiring of the Lord, turning back to the Lord, because He wants to talk to me. He wants to show me what to do. He wants to tell me what to do. How's God going to tell me what to do? Oh, right here. Lord, what am I going to do? They've taken captive my family. I've lost everything. Everything's been burned to the ground. Even my loyal men are turning on me, and they want to kill me. Lord, what do I do? The word of the Lord. That's how David strengthened himself in the Lord, with the word of the Lord. And I mean it is dramatic, because David now strengthened in the Lord, now that he's inquired of the Lord, is directed providentially and miraculously. And God does exactly what He promised to do. So they set out. 
David and his 600 men. They go about eh, 12 miles approximately, and they reach the brook or the ravine or the valley of Bezor. And 200 of these 600 men just say, hey, we just can't go on. We want to, we just can't. There's no more strength in us. And so David says to them, okay, fine, you just stay here. We'll go. So David takes the 400 men, and he comes across an Egyptian who was a slave of the Amalekites. This is called a divine appointment. Oh, I really encourage you to, in your own time in God's Word, just spend some time in 1 Samuel chapter 30. It is just fascinating. Because you would think that David and these 400 men would be in a hurry now that they've got the word of the Lord, the direction from the Lord. Go, find your family. You're going to get your family back. You're going to get everything back. And then more, by the way. And here's this guy that apparently has been left for dead. You would think, hey, we don't have time. We got to get going. But interesting, the men of David take this Egyptian to David, and David starts asking him questions. And he says, you know, I, I was left here to die. I've been here for three days and three nights. And so they gave him water to drink, saved his life basically, gave him food to eat, and his strength started to return to him. And then David starts querying him more. As it turns out, what a coincidence. This guy was with the Amalekites, a slave of the Amalekites. And he proceeds to tell David, yeah, we went to this place called Ziklag. Oh, really? Yeah, we took everyone captive. We took the spoil and we burned the place to the ground. Hmm. So David, he knows, this is the Lord, right? He says, "Um, sir, can you take us to where they went? And he goes, yes, but on one condition. You don't kill me. Because he was part of that, by the way. And David says, deal. I will spare your life. You just take us to where they went. So he does, and they do, and they go and they find. Now get this, they battled from dusk the night before till dusk the next night. And they defeated the Amalekites, because the Amalekites were partying, they were drunk, they were intoxicated, they were hungover, and they defeated them and they took back their family, no harm done to them. Everything the Amalekites had taken, they got it back. Oh, and bonus, no extra charge. They took from them the spoil. No daughter, no son harmed, no wife harmed. So they make their way back, and they come to the brook 
the valley, the ravine, Bezor. Imagine the look on those 200 men that couldn't go on. Again, it's not that they wouldn't, it's that they couldn't. That's going to be important in a moment. So here they come. And I don't know what the topography was, but I can just imagine and picture it in my mind that they, they heard them from a distance, from afar off. They probably heard their wives and their kids too. And then when they saw them come over the hill or around the corner, can you imagine the reunion? Hugging and holding their children, hugging and kissing their wives. Well, it would be short-lived, at least for the moment anyway, because the 400 men who went with David, leaving behind the 200 men who couldn't, Oh, you know the story. Spoiler alert. <laughs> they say, um, you know, you can have your wives and your families and just leave, but you're not going to take any of the spoil that we got. And it's interesting because conspicuously absent from the narrative is any mention of any protest or any even response from the 200 men. I believe they were so overjoyed at just the reunion. My, my family, you're okay, you're okay, you're okay, yeah I'm okay. And then to have these men, the, these are their men too. These are their brothers, their friends been through many a battle with them, and to have them say that to them, take your wives, your kids, and get out of here. You're not getting any of this, because you didn't go into battle with us. And David, and this is what I love about David's back, by the way. David's back. That's David right there. He says to them, excuse me? That's a very loose paraphrase of the original text, but he says to those men, no. And oh, by the way, did I hear you say that you were the ones that got the spoil? No, the Lord is the one who did it. The Lord's the one who did it. And the ones that were weak and weary and tired and exhausted, that couldn't go into battle, they will share as the ones who did. Oh, it's just, I mean, think about this. Two acts of kindness that changed everything. And both acts of kindness had to do with the ones that were weak of little strength, starting with the Egyptian that was on death's door, by the way, and resurrected on the third day, by the way. That's a typology there. And then to come back to these 200 men, and the kindness, the grace, the mercy, the compassion, the love. On Thursday night, we were in Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40 is one of my favorite chapters in all of the Bible. 
along with 1 Samuel 30 and all the other ones in between. But no, this is, you know this chapter, by the way. It's all about how God will comfort and strengthen those who are weak and weary. You know, one of the things in the Gospels that is very interesting is that Jesus was always attracted to the last and the least. He was always gravitating towards, and it was always the weak, those in need of a physician, if you prefer. He was attracted to the prostitutes and the drug dealers, if you will, the down and out, the weary, the heavy laden, the last and the least. Oh, by the way, the harshest words ever to come from the Savior's mouth were reserved for the religious leaders of the day. You hypocrites, your whitewashed tombs, you're a den of vipers. I mean, oh my, these are the elders at the synagogue. Here comes a Samaritan woman to the well. No man ever talks to a woman, let alone a Samaritan. Jesus takes notice. She's hurting, and I know why. She's in yet another relationship, and it's an unhealthy relationship. And she's come to this well to get water. And he says to her, I have water that if you drink from this water that I have, you'll never thirst again. Can I read verses 28 through 31 of Isaiah 40? Have you not known, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the Creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary, His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, not to the strong, to the weak, and to those who have no might, He increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. (laughs) They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Who, who's this for? The weak. I need strength. Who's this for? The weary. I'm weary. Oh, (laughs) this is for you. This is for you. Thanks for joining us for this special Mideast Prophecy Update edition of In Spirit and Truth. We understand how important it is to know what God's Word says, especially in our world today. All around us, we see violence and despair running seemingly unchecked. 
we do what we can to alleviate these crises we encounter, but all the while we know evil is waiting right around the corner. The Bible tells us that Jesus will return one day and finally wipe the enemy's influence from the face of the earth forever. This event is closer than we may think, and it's important to know what to expect. The prophecies we read in the Bible can be confusing, but they do provide us with clues as to what we'll see unfolding in our world as we near the return of our King. Each week in the Mideast Prophecy Update, Pastor J.D. takes a look at the current events happening around the globe and holds them up to the lens of God's Word. He shares what God reveals to him with you each week. This information is not meant to scare you, but rather to inspire you to take the gospel message out into the world. Every person needs to have the chance to meet Jesus before he returns and to know what his love and grace can do for them. These Mid-East Prophecy Updates are available to you on our YouTube channel as well or through our mobile app. Visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com to find links to both. Thanks for listening today and be sure to join us for the next update right here on In Spirit and Truth.